1 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we've been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And then in chapter 5, verse 16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. What can we be praying for you at the moment? If you asked me that question today, I'd probably say, uh, pray we'd have a safe and uneventful drive to Sweden on Tuesday, no accidents, no breakdowns, no delays, and a really good holiday as a family. Is that a good thing to ask for? What rating do you reckon God would give that prayer request? How many stars out of five? I think God would say, it's fine, it's understandable. But it's not very ambitious. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm glad you bring all your concerns to me. I care about you as your Heavenly Father. But I want you to be more ambitious. I want you to set your sights higher. I want you to ask for bigger things. That's what we find in the Bible. That when the Apostle Paul is praying for believers, or when he's asking for prayer for himself, it tends not to be about having a good holiday. He's got bigger concerns. He's got more important things on his mind. We see that in the prayers that he tells people he's praying for them. And we also see it in these short prayers that we find in the letters in the form of what's sometimes called benedictions. So they're prayers of blessing in the form of, may God do such and such for you. So it's a prayer in the form of a wish addressed to the other person. And we're going to look at six of these things today. Short prayers, alien prayers, alien prayers, if I can put it that way, that even if you are a mature Christian, my guess is that you probably do not use these prayers regularly in your own praying. Which is a little bit odd, isn't it, given the Bible is our authority for our belief and our behavior. I suspect that our prayers tend to be quite different to this. Mine certainly had been before studying all this. Reading these prayers can feel a little bit like we've been dropped down into a different world, where they speak a different language and they have different concerns. But this is the real world. This is the eternal world. This is the stuff 
that really matters from God's perspective. And so if we can start to incorporate these little prayers into our own praying, it's going to have huge benefits for us and for other people. And that is the point of today, that I want to just simply introduce these short prayers to us so we can start to use them ourselves regularly in our own praying until they become natural. It's a little bit like learning a new language. There was an elderly couple who had a a vase in their spare room that was gathering dust, and they had some uh, old umbrellas that they would store in it. They'd use it as an umbrella stand, and they were given it as a present 50 years before. And then they discover, it's one of these stories, it was a Chinese masterpiece worth £500,000, more than the value of their house. The auctioneer said that when it was sold, it could change the couple's lives forever. Well, these short prayers... They're things that maybe we've just skimmed over until now. We've not really noticed them, not really realized their true value. But these little benedictions can be life-changing. And now is the time to cash in. So, inside the service sheets, the first one you'll see on the outline there is about living in harmony. So, Romans 15, verse 5. And why don't we read this out together? So, if you've got your sheet there, you've got it open. Romans 15, 5, that first one, let's read it together. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if you've ever prayed that before. So Paul's wish and prayer for these believers was that they would live in harmony together. You see that there in the bold type. So in the first century in Rome... Uh, These believers were from different backgrounds. Some were Jewish, uh, others Gentiles, completely ignorant of the scriptures. And they had different views on secondary matters. Paul addressed that in chapter 14. And his big concern was that they would be united together in Christ, in the gospel essentials. So not divided, not different warring factions. He says, live in harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. And that is God's concern for us. That as believers from different backgrounds, different cultures, we would live in harmony together. And so we should be praying this. Praying this for our church, for our marriages, for our families, that we would live in harmony in Christ. But why? Well, verse 6, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the point. Paul McCartney, uh, many years ago, he wrote that that, um, song, didn't he? The lines, Ebony and ivory live together in perfect harmony. Side by side. No, anyway, over to you. Side by side on my piano keyboard. Oh Lord, he said, why don't we? Living in harmony makes life a lot more pleasant for everyone, doesn't it? But God's goal is bigger than that. That in Christ, God is bringing together a people united in glorifying Him. Praising and serving Him together. This is central to His big plan in Christ to put the whole universe back together that's been broken up by the fall. So the world God created was, if we can think of it like this, like a beautiful picture. But because of sin and evil, it's been broken up into millions 
of different pieces, like the pieces of some giant jigsaw, scattered all over the place. But in Christ, God is putting the world back together. Now, in the age to come, the picture will be complete, fully restored. But in the meantime, we are a key part of this restoration project. We're an example of what God is doing. We're a witness to where everything is heading. We are a foretaste of the glory to come. In our sinfulness, in our selfishness, we, our natural movement is away from one another. Dividing, fragmenting, friction, conflict in our churches, in our marriages, in our families, in our friendship groups. And so we desperately need to be praying this. Lord, grant us to live in harmony together so that with one voice we will glorify you. Now that is a better prayer for a family holiday. Yeah, not just for safe travels. And the God who answers this prayer in verse 5 is the God of endurance and encouragement. Living in harmony over the long term, whether in a church, in a marriage, in a family, it is difficult. We need endurance. We need encouragement. And that is what God will give us if we ask him. He's the God of endurance and encouragement. Okay, that's the first prayer. Second prayer is that God would fill us with joy and peace. Got the sheet there? So Romans 15, 13, let's say this together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. What a great prayer. That God would fill us with all joy and peace in believing. In our weakness, in our sinfulness, we may be filled with very different things. So sometimes we're filled with anger or with anxiety. Sometimes we're filled with bitterness or with despair. But how wonderful instead to be filled with joy and peace. Filled with, not just to have a little bit of joy and peace, but to be filled, it says, with all joy and peace. Joy is deep happiness, independent of our circumstances. Peace is this inner peace, a deep contentment, being at rest within. Well, these blessings, it says, are ours in believing, uh, through believing in Christ, through faith. Now, I'm sure all of us here would say, well, I would love to have a bit more of this, a bit more joy, a bit more peace in life. Yes, please. Well, well, these are good gifts from God that he gives us if we ask him. It's the point of the prayer. And the result of this filling, it says, is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope, overflowing with hope from the God of hope. In our world, hope is in short supply, isn't it? So many people feel hopeless about where the world is going, about where their own life is going. But the God of hope, this is saying, can make us overflow with hope through his Holy Spirit as we trust in Christ. Joy, peace, hope. I mean, these are rare, precious jewels, aren't they? Imagine getting to the end of a day and you look back and you're able to say, Today, not a great deal went right, a lot went wrong, but in all of it, I was filled with joy and with peace and with hope. I mean, that would be a good day, wouldn't it? That would be a good day. And by contrast, a day without these things is not going to be a day you want to repeat. 
So let's be praying this as a matter of priority for ourselves, for one another. Lord, today, please fill me with all joy and peace in believing so that I'll abound in hope. Do you know the um, would-you-rather game? Did you ever play that? Would-you-rather? People ask you questions like, would you rather be 11 foot tall or 9 inches tall? Okay, um, tell me afterwards on that one. Or they say, would you rather die in 20 years with no regrets or in 100 years with lots of regrets? Tricky, tricky. Well, how about this one? Would you rather have health, money, and long life or joy, peace, and hope? Surely nothing can beat those precious gifts. Those popular philosophers of the modern age, a.k.a. the Spice Girls, sang, didn't they, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. (laughs) We're we're getting it all today. (laughs) Isn't this what we really, really want, if we're honest? We want joy, we want peace, we want hope. Well, let's be praying for these things, not just for material concerns. If you, um, if you took a five-year-old and you took him on side, you said, look, you're gonna get, we're going to give you one wish. Whatever you want, we'll give you one wish. What do you want? What would they ask for? A Barbie set, a PlayStation. And you said, well, there's nothing wrong with that, but you could have asked for so much more than that. And maybe God would say the same to us. The third prayer is that God would make us increase and abound in love. Let's read it together. 1 Thessalonians 3. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. Love is an indispensable hallmark of the true believer. The greatest commandments, Jesus said, were what? Love God. Love one another. Mark 12. Paul warned, didn't he, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, in that famous passage, he warned that without love, we're nothing. We gain nothing. In the list of the fruit of the Spirit, what comes first? It's love. Faith working through love. That's what Paul says counts in Galatians 5. But notice here in this prayer that God wants our love to grow. He wants it to increase and abound, that is, to overflow. For one another, he says, as believers, and for everyone else. Now, how's that going to happen? Well, we should make every effort to be more loving, but this is saying we also need to pray. Because only the Lord can, as it says here, only he can make us increase and abound in love. That's what it says. He's got the power to do that, to make our love grow. A few months back, I dug up um, our bit of garden and sowed it all with grass seed and then I waited and I waited and when you sow grass seed it makes you very very aware of your limitations I can't make it grow I can't do that but the sun the rain the soil they do their work and over time the seed sprouts and it grows and we've now got the sort of makings of a lawn well when it comes to love 
we're pretty limited as well. There's only so much that we can do. We need God to make it grow in us. And so we need to ask him to do that. Here's another would you rather. Would you rather have a lot more money or be a lot more loving? Which of those would your spouse, your family, your friends, your colleagues want for you? I'm sure they'd much rather we were more loving. And that is certainly what God wants, and it is what we would want if we knew what's best for us. Because if we are increasing in love, the result in verse 13, it says, is so that God may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all the saints. So if we want to be blameless in holiness before God when Christ returns, love is key. There's no holiness without love. So why don't we pray for that? And this concern for holiness is at the heart of the next prayer from the end of the same letter. So let's read that together. This fourth prayer is that God would sanctify us completely. 1 Thess 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thought about this a bit last week uh, when we were looking at John uh, 17, Jesus' prayer there. We saw that sanctification is both a past one-off thing and a present ongoing thing. So let me give you two examples. So the past bit, 1 Corinthians 6.11. It says, you were, past tense, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the past, one-off bit, a conversion. But 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So then it's a present, ongoing thing as well. Now, in both cases, it is God who does it. It's God who sanctifies us. It's God who sets us apart for himself. It's God who is then at work in us to make us more holy, more like Christ. Now, of course, we need to make every effort, other passages say, but it's God's work in us, so we need to pray for that. May the God of peace sanctify me, sanctify you. How much time do you reckon you spend looking in the mirror? Rhetorical question. Um, One international study found that, on average, people spend four hours a day trying to enhance their physical appearance. That sounds a bit much, doesn't it? When they get the... Anyway, I'm sure we bring the average down, but, you know. The point is that we're obsessed. People are obsessed with looking beautiful. But God wants us to be more concerned for our moral... Beauty, if we can put it that way. So beauty of character. And that's what sanctification is. Less distorted by the ugliness of sin, more like the beauty of Jesus as a person, more like God in character. And so we should pray, Lord, please sanctify me more. In fact, sanctify me completely. Verse 23, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. So not partially, but completely. Not a half-finished job, but the full works. If you go for a haircut and you walk out halfway through, and no, I didn't, you're going to look rather silly. Like, no, joke. Um, And so we shouldn't be content 
We shouldn't be content with half-finished moral beauty treatment, if we can put it that way. It's like a half-finished haircut. Instead, complete sanctification is the goal. And the point, again, is not to look good before other people. It's not to try and impress them, but it's to look good before God on the last day. Our whole spirit, soul, body, it says, to be kept blameless before him. And verse 24 says, he who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. If we ask him to. If we ask him. If somebody says to you, look, what do you want me to pray for you at the moment? Do you ever say, please pray that God would sanctify me completely? (laughs) You ever ask that? Now, we tend not to, don't we? And to be honest, if we did, people would probably say, you what? (laughs) Instead, what we say is, I'm super busy at the moment. Um, so pray for my stress levels. Or, you know, I'm feeling tired, so please pray for energy. Or you say, look, a friend of mine is ill, so, you know, pray they'd get better. Now, that's fine, isn't it? That's fine because we're sharing life together, and I think that's good and healthy. And in fact, it would be quite odd, and it would be quite detached if you only ever said, when someone said, what can I pray for you? If you only ever said, oh, please pray God would sanctify me completely. I think people get a bit fed up and say, look, what's going on in your life? Share a bit about that as well. But as we share and pray for these smaller material concerns, let's also be praying for the bigger stuff. So what we could pray is something like, Lord, give this person the strength they need, feeling tired, but in their tiredness also please sanctify them more and more, make them more like your son. Prayer 5 is that God would comfort and establish our hearts. Let's read it together, 2 Thess 2. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Focus in that prayer is the heart. That's the inner person, the depths of our inner being. And the request here is that God would comfort and strengthen our hearts. The verse says that God our Father loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. So because of his love in Christ, we have eternal encouragement and comfort. But we need God to make that real to us inside, in our hearts. So we experience that at a deep level. Because so easily our hearts are troubled, as were the hearts of Jesus' followers the night before his death. They were troubled. So much in life, isn't there, to trouble our hearts fears that we have, worries, stress. We need God to comfort our hearts. And it says in the prayer to establish them, that is to make them strong, to make them stable. Back in chapter 2, verse 2, Paul told these believers not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed by people who are trying to deceive them. So people were trying to destabilize them, shake them, unsettle them, And there's plenty, isn't there, to make our hearts feel shaken, unsettled, unstable. And so we need God to establish our hearts. It says in every good work and deed. That is that we continue to live out our faith in good works and good words. You ever prayed that for yourself? Ever prayed that for another person? Lord, please comfort and establish my heart, their heart, in every good deed and word. Every good work and word. 
I'm guessing we, these are prayers we tend not to pray. The focus of our prayers tends to be elsewhere. And as Don Carson said, we are materialists at heart. We're materialists at heart. You know there's that thing in Parliament, Hansard. Uh, Hansard, they record everything that's said in Parliament. So members' words are written down. It's basically a sort of verbatim report of what's said in Parliament. If Hansard wrote down, if they recorded everything we'd prayed for over the past year, for ourselves, for other people, what do you reckon would be the biggest category in terms of subject of things we prayed for? Health? Uh, work, decisions, finances. None of this stuff is wrong, but I think God would say it's not ambitious enough. The big stuff, the really big stuff, is what God is doing in us as people. Just as in physical fitness, core is key. We all know that, don't we? The core is really, really key. You need a strong core. Same spiritually. Same, we need a strong core. So we need God to comfort and strengthen our hearts. Okay, last one, number six, is that God would equip us to do his will. Let's read Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. As God's people, the point of our lives is to do God's will, that is to live to please him. But we don't naturally have the resources, the equipment to do that, and so we need God to equip us with everything good. Now you might say, well, hold on a minute, if I'm in Christ, surely God has already equipped me with everything I need to do his will. So I've got his Holy Spirit, I've got a Bible, I've got a church family, you know, what more do I need? Well, this is saying... We need God to work in us that which is pleasing in his sight. And so we need to ask him to do that. We need to pray, Lord, please equip me with everything good that I might do your will. Please work in me what is pleasing in your sight. So we need to ask God to give us the desire and the ability to do his will. It's his work in us. So maybe like you know, in the war with Ukraine... Uh, with Russia. Ukraine's very reliant, isn't it, on equipment from outside, from other countries, weapons, ammunition, tanks, air defense systems. So as believers, as we fight the good fight to live the Christian life, we're reliant on outside help, namely God's help. We need God to equip us. We need God to work in us each day. I mean, sometimes people tell us, don't they, they say, search for the hero inside yourself been looking for a long time, still can't find him, but you know, God says, that's not the way forward. Look to the hero outside yourself. Look to him. We need to ask him to equip us with what we need. We need him to work in us. And so as a church, if you're regular here, you'll be aware that in our vision we have these four E's, and one of the E's is equip. So as a church, we're seeking to equip believers with skills for Christian life and service, and that's fine, that's good. God uses means like that to grow us. But any equipping we try to do as a church is useless unless God is at work in us to equip us with everything good. And so a great daily prayer for ourselves and one another is please equip me, please equip them to do your will today.
So there we have it, six powerful little prayers. Over the summer, why not take the sheet away, stick it in your Bible, try using them in your own prayers each day. And at first, it might feel a little bit odd, and it's a bit like, you know, learning a new language. But after a while, it becomes more natural, we become more fluent. So what you could do is you could take, a, you could take one prayer a day, and you could pray that for yourself, and for people on your prayer list, if you have a prayer list, good habit. Or what you could do is you could use all six prayers every day, praying a different one for each person that you pray for. What would this look like in practice? Well, it looked something like this. So Arthur is doing fine. What do you pray for Arthur? Will you pray, Lord, thank you that things are going so well for Arthur, but, you know, there's always room for growth, so please make him increase and abound in love for your people and for others. Betty is unwell. What do you pray for? Lord, please heal Betty. Help her to get better soon. But also, during this time of illness, fill her with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, she would abound with hope. Max is having a hard time at work or at school. What do you pray for him? Say, Lord, please help Max get through this difficult time. But also, please use this hard time to to sanctify him completely, to make him more godly, so his whole spirit and soul and body will be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Bertie and Susie are struggling in their marriage. What do you pray for them? Lord, please help Bertie and Susie to come through this difficult time and grant them to live in such harmony with one another that together they, with one voice, will glorify you. So you see, we shouldn't ignore the immediate concerns and needs, but we mustn't limit our prayers to that. God wants us to be more ambitious, to aim higher, to pray with a spiritual and eternal agenda. Some years ago, there was um, a fad in Christian circles for wearing wristbands with the letters uh, WWJD, uh, which stood for What Would Jesus Do?, I think we could also do with wristbands which have on them WWPP, meaning what would Paul pray? Okay, actually, Paul probably didn't write Hebrews, but bear with me, you know, you get the point. It's a good instinct to develop. Well, may the God of peace use these little prayers to equip us to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Amen.